You're listening to Kids in 80s America, where we talk about the teen movies everybody remembers from the decade everybody would like to forget. I'm Kevin Smokler, author of Brat Pack America, a love letter to 80s teen movies, and today we're talking to writer and actor Dave Holmes. I'm here with Dave Holmes, writer-at-large for Esquire, a former MTV personality, an actor, and an all-around fantastic writer. I loved his memoir, Party of One, that I read probably in one and a half seatings, um, maybe one and three quarters. I'm not, I'm not absolutely positive, but it was one of those books that I, I sort of slept around from room to room because I uh, trying to squeeze another two or three pages in between, like, tooth brushing and face washing before bed. Like I, that's how much I enjoyed his book. Uh, and he wow. was nice enough to come on. <laughs> that was really Thank a you. ton of fun. And, and, um, you. and you know, you and I are, you and I are both Midwesterners, uh, you from, you from St. Louis and, and me from Michigan. And, um, sure. and we're just under two years apart in age. So a lot of what you talked about um, spoke to me and you wrote about it so beautifully. I, um, it was really a pleasure to read. So when I asked you if you had one of these movies you wanted, you a great 80s teen movie you wanted to talk about, you said it's a deep cut. And I was in and, and I sort of braced myself for that because I, I felt like I, I wrote about there's 55 movies in, in my book about 80s teen movies. But I, I'm, I, I know there's a bunch I didn't touch. And then you told me what you wanted to pick. And I said, oh, my God, we're going to have fun with this. So why don't you lay it on everybody and we'll get to talking about it. Okay, let's do it. Uh, my movie is The Sure Thing. The, uh, the I believe, 1985, John Cusack, Daphne Zuniga, um, Anthony Edwards, Tim Robbins, uh, Rob Reiner directed Extravaganza. Oh, yeah, God, such a good movie. Like, I, 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 I haven't seen it, like, 53 times. Like, I've seen The Breakfast Club, uh-huh. but probably 18 or 19 times. Um, mm-hmm. Maybe like, maybe like I've seen the the age that Gib Gibson was in that movie, or something like that. Oh, um, wow. yeah. And, yeah. And after this, yeah, after this conversation, maybe I'll put in three or four more. So it's the age that Jason, the square boyfriend, probably is in this movie. Um, yeah. Uh, I yeah. Boy, <laughs> I think Boy Gaines looks like he's about forty in this movie, playing Daphne Zuniga's yeah. um, uptight boyfriend. He- he does, and it feels but, like a choice a little bit, you know? Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah absolutely. It, like, it really feels like, you know, he needs to be very different than, than you know, our two heroes. Yeah, yeah, like they chose, they chose someone that sort of looks somewhere like her older brother or like her TA. Um, right, exactly, uh, exactly. <laughs> but tell me why, t- tell me. It, it totally works, and I and I actually didn't know from until I looked into it that that Boyd Gaines is the most awarded actor at the Tonys. Boyd Gaines has three Tonys to his credit, uh-huh. and yeah. um, and four and four nominations, one across each of the four acting categories. Um, wow. He yeah he uh, the, the the guy who the guy who was supposed to be the resident stiff in in the sure thing became one of Broadway's most celebrated. Performers. Um, yep. Tell me why. This yeah, I think was, was he was he Bobby in the company at some point? Did I hear that? I yes, I believe so. And his movie debut was in Fame. Wow. Yeah, his first his okay. first yeah his first movie had some had some um, stage had I'm a famous movie of course, but his first movie had some stage uh, uh, DNA to it as well. 
Interesting. Uh, but yeah, he uh, uh, and and he, I think he knew Rob Reiner because he had guested as a young actor on All in the Family, and I believe one day at a time that Rob Reiner had done some directing work on. Wow, you've done your research. Yeah, I think that's. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know why. I always, I always, I'm always fond of the people who play villains and in these movies because you know uh, we all know who we all know what John Hughes and Daff, uh, John, not John Hughes, John Cusack and Daphne Zuniga became. Um, but I'm always interested right. in what the sort of lesser players became. It's it's why I get so tickled right. when you know Curtis Armstrong shows up as as Zoe Deschanel's boss on New Girl, for example. Right, right, yeah. That's a, that always feels like a little nod to us. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. After, after he played, you know, the, the world's best, best friend in every 80s teen movie, uh, a man told sure. her that Anthony Edwards kind of kind of attempts valiantly in this movie. And I think does OK. at. Yeah, yeah, I would agree. So tell me why the sure thing and you. Um, I, you know, I, I like that it's a little underappreciated. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I think it's it is the quintessential sort of '80s teen movie, right down to the casting of uh, of John Cusack. Um, I believe it was his first major role, right? Like the you know, Sixteen Candles was maybe one year before. Yeah, um, exactly. You know, he was, he was uh, high school. He was a high school freshman one year before, and then he was a college freshman a year later. But he's equally believable yeah. in both. And I just find him to be a really compelling main character. Um, I really, I like, I like Gib, you know, I think he has a real mm-hmm. voice. I think he's, he's funny. He's a little bit cynical. You know, that he is, um, going to grow up and be a, uh, a comedy writer of some kind. Like he, he just <laughs> felt like a very relatable character. Um, just kind of, you know, this young, you know, he's not quite an athlete. He's not, you know, he's not brainy. Um, he's not like a crazy party animal. He's just, he's just cool. He's just witty and he's got a voice. Um, and I find him to to just be a really compelling hero. Yeah. And and how do you see Gibb in relation to say Hoops McCann from the character John Cusack plays in One Crazy Summer and Lane Meyer, the character he plays in Better Off Dead the same year as that came out the same year as, as the short thing. Uh, I feel like those other two roles are um, are badly written rewrites of Gibb. Um, mm. I just I really feel like they're straining to get that kind of relatability, and it never really came together for me in either of those movies. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think you know I think it's the Rob Reiner influence. It's just you know he's he speaks very smoothly. Um, he's very effortlessly naturally funny, and uh, yeah, I mean I I just I it made me it made me really fall in love with John Cusack. So this movie is has been called a sort of '80s teen remake of It Happened One Night. The the, the plot and the plot is, is, yeah. is as straightforward as that movie's plot is. Uh, Gib and and Allison, played by John Cusack and Daphne Zuniga, are college freshmen trying to get to Los Angeles during winter break, and they're polar opposites, and they end up in the same car. And over the course of this road trip, her to visit her boyfriend, he to visit his best friend from high school, they end up falling in love. Um, right. And I guess it's worth mentioning that the title of the movie is a is a a girl that John's that John Cusack's best friend, played by Anthony Edwards, has set him up with um, that he claims will right. be a sure thing. Uh, a, Nic- a young Nicolette Sheraton, you know, uh, a 
a few years before dating Michael Bolton and 25 years before being one of the desperate housewives. Um, uh-huh. and, and, uh, and the, the movie has sort of a good time with the contrast between Nicolette Ferrin, who, who the role is obviously written for her to do nothing but stand there. Um, and, and this, and this sort of blonde California version of beauty that of feminine beauty that she was supposed to embody at that time, uh, her, right. that was also embodied by like the sweet Valley high books, for example. Um, yeah. and the sort of East coast preppy version of brunette da- Daphne Zuniga, um, <laughs> I always thought that made the movie sort of, uh, sort of a satire, to some extent, like a gentle satire on this notion of, of you know, this sort of very even then retro notion of of, of California sunset beauty. Uh, you know, in the same league as what what sort of Jeff Spicoli is playing with. Right, right. I love the uh, I love the moment where um, where John Cusack is at his New England college and he gets a postcard. And it's one of those, you know, you know, dumb postcards you get on Hollywood Boulevard of a, you know, blonde bikini lady with huge breasts. And uh, and he turns it over and just written on the back from from Anthony Edwards, it says, this is the ugliest girl at my school. Yeah, like, I, just, I, just <laughs> love, I love that moment. Um, yeah, I, uh, um, yeah I, 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 I love how much fun they have with with New England versus California as a person who's lived in uh, in both places. Um, they get a lot of it right. To be honest, <laughs> I don't know if you knew this, but Rob Reiner filmed it at a bunch of different colleges, trying to get the sort of generic New England college right. Most of it is filmed at the University of the Pacific in Stockton, California, um, oh, really? which I've never been to, but I guess looks like Dartmouth or Holy Cross, where you went to school, or John Hopkins, where I went to school. Um, yeah. The the only part of it they the, the the main part of it they filmed somewhere else was the scene where. Tim Robbins picks up the two of them in the car and there's snow on the ground. Um, and they didn't have any budget to create snow. So, so they took the whole cast and crew to Ithaca and filmed that scene at Cornell. Cause that was cheaper. Yeah. <laughs> I don't exactly know why it That's was amazing. cheaper, but I, <laughs> they did it all just so they could get, you know, they, just so they could get, you know, no greenery and damp and damp sidewalks and pavements and, um, right. and uh, right. snow on the ground. <laughs> yeah, it was, it, most of it was filmed in California. And I, think, I think most of it was filmed in California and Arizona, so there, there was very little road tripping that actually happened in this road trip movie. Um, right. how, how does it fit in for you? I mean, this is sort of the very beginning of the of the Rob Reiner hot streak of the of the 1980s. Right. You know, this is this is the movie he does right after right after Spinal Tap, but of but of course before you know. Stand by me, The Princess Bride, uh, uh, When Her uh-huh. Sally. Um, how does it how does it slot in to 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 that for you? Uh, I personally think it's the best of the bunch. I, but I, you know what? Here and here's here's a, a, a shocking fact that I'm going to divulge. I've never seen The Princess Bride, <laughs> and its birthday is on Monday. Of all the times to admit, that. I know it's one of those it's one of those things. I've never seen that or The Big Lebowski, and those always get big reactions from people. And I like those reactions more than I think I would like either of those movies. So I just keep not seeing. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, how do you, how do you, I, I mean, I, I can totally, I can totally relate to that. Like I, I had never trying to think of an example of that for me. Like, I, I think I, I, I used to like to tell people I had never been calling 
which was which was true for like the first 35 years of my life. And I, I think at some point, Never no matter how much I thought I was going <laughs> to, yeah, no matter how much I thought I was going to like London calling, it was more fun to hear people gasp than to actually listen to it. Yeah. Um, yeah. So Dave, you've never seen you've never seen the Big Lebowski and what was the other one you said you've never seen? You've never seen the Princess Bride? The Princess Bride, yeah. And at this point it's it's more fun to to watch people's reactions than yeah. perhaps would be to actually see those movies. That's exactly right. Yeah. It's it's one of those things where people like really fall out when you tell them that you haven't seen The Princess Bride. And it's just, you know, I I I've never quite gotten past the idea that the Princess Bride is kind of a kid's movie. Which, I mean, I'm sure, it, mm-hmm. you know, sort of half is and half isn't in the style of a lot of things. But I just never got around to it. And now I just feel like it's, you know, it would be weird for a 46-year-old man to sit down and watch The Princess Bride. Maybe I'm wrong. <laughs> is any of that that, that – is any of that surprise or your delight in other people's surprise come from – the fact that someone takes a look at you and your friends and sort of how old you are and where you come from and, 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 and sort of makes the obvious yet incorrect conclusion. Well, that of course you've seen the princess bride 16 times. Well, sure. I mean, I think people just assume that everyone has seen it. Certainly the big Lebowski is the same way. Um, yeah, there are yeah. things that are just sort of accepted as, um, you know, as, as part of the canon and everyone's supposed to have seen them. And I've missed a few of those, but it's okay. Yeah. I, I, I get entirely too much pleasure out of telling people I've never listened to the three self-titled Weezer albums, right? Um, because because they usually say they usually see well, what do you mean you're a college-educated over forty white guy who's never listened to the first three Weezer albums? Or that's right. effectively what they're saying when I tell mm-hmm. them that. Mm-hmm. Um, Everybody's got a hole somewhere. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, bigger than we, bigger than I think we would like to admit, but I think sure. you're absolutely right. Sure. Um, tell me, is can you tell me about the first time you saw the sure thing? Yeah, you know, I think I probably caught it on VHS. Um, mm-hmm. I, I don't think I saw it in the theater. In fact, I'm certain I didn't see it in the theater. It didn't really have a very long theatrical release. It was one of those that sort of caught fire on home video. And it was probably, you know, I feel like it was one of those nights where I was you know, I may have been grounded and I was, you know, staying in, I was probably 15, 16 and, uh, you know, took a, took a trip down to, uh, to movies to go or, or blockbuster video and, uh, and, and rented it. It definitely wasn't on cable. We didn't have any of the movie channels. My parents were dead set against getting the movie channels, uh, on cable. So, uh, so yeah, so for sure it would have been a, a rental, but it was, uh, it was probably, if it was a three day rental, I'm sure I watched it three times minimum. So you are you are of the age where Walter Gibb Gibson was pretty close to a peer, and, and, and I'm about two years younger than you. So yeah. Walter Gibb Gibson was like my older cousin that I kind of looked up to sure. and hoped to be someday. Sure, um, he would have been yeah that, a couple years older than me, but a couple really important years older. So he's still sort of an aspirational figure. Oh, okay. So, so you and I were kind of coming at Mr. Gibson from the same place then, even though, even though, yeah. Um, and, and did you, did you, had you ever seen it happened one night that reference mean anything to you back then or Um, or in the years to follow? I had seen it. And I remember that came up in a lot of reviews. I was, I was definitely, you know, even if I wasn't able to see films, I would, I would, you know, pour over the St. Louis post dispatch and read all the, uh, uh, all the reviews. I, I remember Rolling Stone was really kind to the sure thing, and and it happened one night came up a lot, and it was probably it was definitely a movie that I had seen in my youth with one of my parents, 
on you know a Saturday afternoon on the you know Channel Eleven or something like that. But I didn't I didn't have specific memories of it. I have this I have this theory that I that I like to trot around, which is you can tell how good a teen movie is paradoxically by how well they cast the grownups. Mm-hmm. Uh, because it means that that whoever may, has made that movie is taking the story of teenagers seriously enough to not just mm-hmm. give them you know straw men and women to push against. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think I think the sure thing is a really good example of that. And I I can't remember the name of the of the sort of legendary actress who played the the English professor. Vivica Linfors. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Uh, what a great I, character. I, Oh yeah, yeah, and, and and sort of a an important role in terms of how it bookends the screenplay, but not one of, of much consequence on the plot. I, but I just thought it was. I, I just thought it was. Tell me about your. I remember seeing her and not knowing who she is, but saying to myself, "This is probably someone very important, like someone oh, this is, who's someone who's yeah. an extraordinary life." Clearly, somebody. Clearly, somebody. Yeah. And uh, because you know, who would allow? those kinds of broad choices from somebody who wasn't legendary in some way or another. And I will totally cop to never seeing her in any other thing. I just knew that she was, you know, important and probably Swedish. Um, I, (laughs) and, and I, um, that's a, that's a huge, that's a character that I, uh, I have a good friend who loves the sure thing as much as I do. And it's a character that we slip into with each other from time to time. And in fact, I tried it on stage once a few years ago. I do Mm. a, uh, like a sketch comedy game show, weird hybrid thing. Um, and, uh, and I threw that character in because I just, you know, I'm still like, I still feel like everybody gets the same references that I do. And I am, in, I am wronger by the day. And, uh, and so, so I succeeded in, in cracking my friend Scott up, uh, by doing the, uh, the, the crazy English professor, but, uh, but the audience had no idea what the hell was going on. Um, but yeah, I just, I, I, I was probably a sophomore junior in high school when I saw the sure thing. So I was still thinking about colleges and, and that idea of the, you know, of the, you know, uh, dramatic creative writing professor in a cape, you know, you know, sweeping into class with an inscrutable accent and, you know, urging you to have sex in a hammock. Like I thought, oh, well, that is clearly what college is going to be like. The actual real life college did not quite measure up. There was no Vivica Linfers at Holy Cross. There was not. There were some cool ones here and there, but uh, she, she, um, she cast a long shadow. Vivica did. Um, Did you, I think you mentioned the, her her making love in a hammock line, which I always picture someone saying, you know, with their back turned to you and one arm sort of, you know, languidly waving over their head. Um, and I think it's so beautifully delivered. It's almost like it's almost like a, a, a note of punctuation. Like mm-hmm. I, I remember walking around after I saw that movie saying using the phrase make love in a hammock as a way of saying don't take things so seriously right um and of course nobody got me either <laughs> but uh yeah. do you yeah. have do you have favorite lines of hers and and, and if you want to make the question bigger i guess what i'm asking is do you have do you have favorite quotable moments of the sure thing well i mean i think you know when it comes to her i love um uh i i love her her notes to uh to daphne zuniga and it's something that sort of stuck with me as I did my own writing of um, where, where she's like, you know, well, let's, let's, let's dry, right? Like, like she makes that, 
stretches that word out for like 90 seconds and uh and yeah. just kind of you know underscores the 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 importance of putting yourself into what you write and not just you know even if it's a term paper trying to give it some life and some of your own voice that that's always been something that's very important to me so i feel like i, I learned an important lesson from this professor even though she wasn't real um yeah something something you said about the movie itself that the movie seems to have its own unique way of yeah communicating and speaking and yeah that's um, exactly right um as for uh yeah, i i find myself um it's it's just a dumb like throwaway thing but in the uh, in the scene in the motel where uh gib teaches allison how to shotgun a beer which i've never done in real life um <laughs> he uh just Neither I remember that whole thing of uh you pull out the cork, not the cork, the this thing, like the the pop top, which we culturally never really did ever name, and right. uh, and then and then I remember him telling her in one swift, deft maneuver, just put it you know, <laughs> to your face. Like there are just so many great little word choices like that, where it's like, you know that Gib is not a great student, you know that he's not you know um, an intellectual, but you know that he you know, knows words and has read books and is going to go on to have an interesting life. They don't, they don't make characters. Yeah. Like that. I, I think there's a, I, I, it, I, I tend to think of Gibb as sort of a, a younger cousin to Chris Knight from Val Kilmer's character in real genius, uh-huh. how there's sort of a, it, nobody questions their intelligence and yet uh-huh. they, they're, it's it sort of, they just choose to apply it to, to they're both, they're both, they're both characters in academic settings, but they just choose to apply it, to apply it to every diversion possible from being a student. Uh-huh. Um, you can tell from that scene that Gibb has, has made, a, has made a close extensive study on how to shotgun a beer. Mm-hmm. Um, sure. and, and the effortlessness to, to which he describes it to her is, is after many hours of showing people how to do it. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. same way that Chris Knight, you know, has, has, has jury rigged, uh, has jury rigged a vending machine so he can create fake coins and get, so and get free sodas out of them. Right. Um, right. Yeah. They're, um, and artful Dodgers. Yeah. Yeah. That's, yeah, that's a good phrase for it. Um, I, uh, I think there's, and, and for a, for a movie that, 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 Hand does wordplay really well. I think it's a surprising amount of great physical comedy in that movie too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I, um, I obviously the um, uh, the flashing uh, out of the car uh, on the highway after they've been mooned is is classic. I also really love. There's something kind of important and indelible to me about the idea of Gibbs' roommate being this like womanizer because he's just kind of like a, a fat slobby dude but he's constantly having sex in that movie and uh and there's just something and they never really make reference to it they don't explain it it's not you know they you know, i feel like today there would have to be a reason why that's happening or they you know there would be a you know a series of jokes about the size of his dick or something like that but it's like now it just in this movie he's this guy who inexplicably is constantly having sex. Um, yeah, yeah, it never, it never really... stops to sort of ask why or or right, um, right. And it even it even goes beyond using it as, as 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 a gimmick for you know as a gimmick for Gib to just you know write 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 a letter to Anthony Edwards, his best friend, and and say my first semester is miserable because of this. Uh-huh. Um, there's a 
there's there's something the relationship between Gibb and his roommate is kind of fleshed out around the fact that 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 that, that the roommate has found himself a girlfriend in the first five minutes of school uh-huh. and is, is constantly sexual. Oh, I Gibb. saw it. I saw it as just a series of women. I could be totally wrong, but I I just oh, I, in my mind he's constantly having sex with a different woman. Uh, you may be right. I, I there there is I some. Don't I, mean, I don't, some, I don't think they have nailed that down. It's probably up for interpretation, but that that was mine. Yeah, yeah. But there's definitely some scene where Gib comes back and some woman, you know, half dressed, just kind of walks out the door and says, "Hi, Gib," and then just walks right. away. Yeah. Um, the uh, my favorite <laughs> my <laughs> my favorite physical. My favorite physical comedy moment in the short thing, which people who've only who, who are only really dedicated fans or, or who've seen it a bunch seem to remember, is when Gib and Allison are hitchhiking and she's pretending to be pregnant, mm-hmm. um, and uh, he holds out he holds out his thumb because he sees a car passing, and it's you can sort of hear the car accelerating out of frame and it's uh-huh. clear the car's not going to stop for them. And so he just sort of gradually sheepishly puts his thumb down and, and his thumb becomes a shrug. And he, you just see, <laughs> you see yeah. him going, we're going to get this one. We're going to get this one. We're yeah. not really, yeah. you're yeah. not going to stop for me and my pregnant girlfriend. <laughs> right. Right. You know, yeah, what kind of a person are you? <laughs> yeah. He's fully fleshed out. And then I'm I'm a, I'm a big fan of um, I'm a big fan of the way he says pleasure in the um, in the trucker kidnapping scene. Oh God, yeah, kind of guy who'd kill, pull your heart out and eat it just for pleasure. Yeah, that's amazing. <laughs> it's amazing, and just you know, just and clearly a choice on the day. You know, just like now, let me let me try it this way. Um, God, that's oh, all of this is coming. It's coming flooding back to me. Um, even, yeah, even I, I feel like if we read that, yeah, I feel like if we read that moment in, 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 you know, in printed word, uh-huh. I, I would never, I mean, I'm not an actor, I'm not an actor like of John Cusack's caliber, but I, I would never in a thousand years think to myself, oh yeah, that's the interpretation I'll give that line. Yeah. I'll, yeah. I'll draw out, I'll draw out the word pleasure. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. With wild eyes. Um, yeah, I, I love when they, when they finally do get picked up by that older woman and, uh, and they debate the merits of the name Nick. And he says, you know, Nick's the kind of guy who, like, you know, you can, he won't get mad if you puke in his car. And then, uh, and then he leans forward to the lady and says, I'm sorry, vomit. That's, that's perfect. <laughs> there are just these great little moments of characterization that are, that are, they're totally indelible. Yeah. Yeah. When, um, I, I'm going to get, I'm going to give you one more and then I, and then I have a, a, a different question. Uh, do you remember when Gibbs says, when Allison says, you know, Jason and I both want to be lawyers and we have a thing for old farmhouses and I can picture us, you know, sitting around the fire reading books with, with a basset hound or something like that. And then she trails mm-hmm. off and she says to Gibbs, that probably sounds really stupid to you. And, and Gibbs sort of, sort of a, in the same moment realizes he likes Allison and B he's kind of unfairly in, in the course of growing to like her, he's unfairly judged her. Yeah. Um, and he just says, no, actually that sounds really nice. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, so sweet. <laughs> it's an incredibly, it's an incredibly sweet moment filled with, like, I, I don't feel like, I, I, I want to be one of those guys that, 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 that exalts movies from his childhood over movies today. But I, I, I don't think we, I, I think it's hard in a movie about teenagers where the selling point of the main character is how sort of clever and fast on their feet and brash they are to give them moments like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, it, it seems to it seems to sort of cut against what what we're supposed to find so attractive about that character. But I think I, 
I think the yeah. movie does it. I think the movie does it really, really willingly and beautifully. Yeah. Yeah. God. It's it's just it's crazy how just how much of it like I, I just I remember word for word. And I haven't seen it in a while. Um it's available, in fact, only on YouTube at the moment. Ah. Unless Do you own a copy of it? I don't, strangely enough. I, uh, I it was one of those that I just rented like three or four times a year. So that was probably you know, I, I come from a time when, um, you know, movies cost $100 to buy, which is crazy. Oh, sure. Um, and then uh, I don't know if it ever was released on DVD. Oh, that's a good – I think I think, it, I think it was. I mean, not in, not in like a flashy, cool version, but I think uh-huh. when I was researching Brat Pack America, I, I bought every movie that was in the book on DVD, so I didn't have to keep running back to the library to get them. And I, I think I found, you know, some $5 cut rate version of it, you know. Uh-huh. Uh, for sale secondhand on eBay or something like that. Gotcha. Um, do you do you do you do you recommend it to people? And if so, oh, how often? Um, you know, actually, I probably haven't in a while because I feel like it has its own little cult, and I know a few of my friends who've seen it, and we just sort of talk about it to each other. Um, but now I, I don't know that I'm. I find myself in. You know, I I feel like everyone's '80s teen movie habits are pretty well set by now. You know. Mm. Um, so I, so I really, I haven't in a while, but I should, uh, my boyfriend had never seen it until very recently. And that's how I determined oh, so you guys have watched it. it together recently. Yeah. And he, yeah. him as a rookie. Maybe, in the, maybe in the last year. Yeah. And, uh, and of Let course, of you. course he loved it. <laughs> he did not. Grounds for dismissal if, uh, if he didn't, <laughs> but I mean, you know, what's not to uh, like, it's great. Yeah. Yeah. So, so you as a, you as a 16 70-year-old young gay guy sees this movie, which is, you know, which is frankly as heteronormative as they come. And, um, and yet it still, it still resonates with you. And I'm not, I'm not saying it wouldn't, but I, I, I was just wondering if, I'm just wondering if you could speak to that. Well, I mean, I think, you know, the idea of traveling long distances for sex is something that everyone can relate to. Um, I, I don't know that that's, that falls on either side of the fence, but it's, uh, you know, I, I really, I, I think I was just drawn to the character because growing up in, in the suburbs, in the Midwest, you see really nothing but, you know, athletes and, and former, you know, or, or future lawyers, you know, you see a lot of people who are going to kind of, um, um, you know, follow a predictable path. And when you see a, Someone who's kind of a nonconformist, they tend to, be, especially in the movies, they tend to be very wild and colorful. And uh, and Gibb in this movie is right in the middle. Like he's somebody that I feel like I knew, <coughs> excuse me, and could eventually be. You know, um, he seemed yeah. somebody. Yeah. I like he, the idea of this guy with that very yeah, a very strong sense of humor, a very strong uh, voice, and. Uh, and a brain and, you know, and a, and a future. It was, he was just a very unique character. Yeah. He seemed interesting without feeling like he sort of came from the planet, you know, interesting character for, I, I'm sorry, came, you know, was interesting character from the planet screenwriters room or something mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And, uh, I, I, I feel like, yeah, I, I've never quite put it that way, but I feel like I really appreciated that about the character too. Um, what do Gibb and Allison stay together? You know, um, I, that's a thing that I, I gotta say for as much as I love these kinds of stories, I don't really ever think about that. 
Um, you know, I don't, I don't feel like that's a thing that needs to necessarily happen. I mean, I loved 16 candles for such a long time, but, um, you know, whether Samantha and Jake last through high school, it's kind of not really any of my concern. You know, I kind of just like that they have a happy ending and then I, I tend to sort of move on. But, you know, I would imagine, uh, that they don't, I mean, if we, if I were to speculate, I would say they last a little bit in college, maybe to graduation and then, uh, and then kind of go their separate ways, but leave a lasting mark on one another. Yeah, I, I think they. I think the relationship doesn't last, but I think in hindsight they both look fondly upon it. Sure. Yeah. It was a, yeah. I, yeah. I. I. I don't an see it ending in a bloody, messy breakup. No. No. Not at all. Not at all. Um. Would you, if if someone had the had the not smart idea to remake it now, would you? Would you be okay putting it in, in, in anyone else's hands other than the ones it was born into? I would not. I would not. I would rather um, – I know there's a big – obviously a big fever for the reboot these days, and I, I just don't – I would rather see things move forward. You know, Show me what 2017 yeah. is rather than a retread of what 1985 was. Um, I, I understand that they're remaking Valley Girl, and that just doesn't make any sense to me. Like There are, there are so many new stories to tell. And that's such a beloved, you know, scruffy movie. Let it be, you know, go yeah. and see Valley Girl. And I feel like we have, you know, we have, uh, contemporaries is the wrong word, but we have like, we do have the nieces and nephews of Valley Girl and the short thing now. Mm -hmm. I mean, we have, we have great teen movies like, you know, Juno and Dope and Me and Earl and the Dying Girl and Edge of Seventeen and, mm -hmm. um, I, I think we've sort of we sort of ghettoized them as you know as 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 upper middle class you know Sundance fair as people who like drive Volvos and eat kale are, are interested in movies are interested in these movies but mm -hmm. Um, mm -hmm. yeah but I, I get asked frequently are there good teen movies today and I, and I just say oh come more than ever like yeah um, of course um, and I feel we, like we I'm look incredibly fortunate. Sure. I mean, we look, I mean, the 80s was great, but we look upon the 80s um, as a golden age because increasingly because we look on the 80s as a golden age. Like it's um, it's become kind of a the way that we think about the classic rock of the 60s and 70s. Great music is still being made, but for some people, it just never some people refuse to uh, to evolve past that because they've just made that decision. And, uh, mm -hmm. and if they, if they would open their minds a little bit, they would find things that they like just as much, maybe more, but it's, you know, you, you become a seventies classic rock person the same way. I think that you become an eighties teen movie person. They were very good movies. Yeah. They were very good movies and they were unlike anything that had been made before. They addressed a segment of the population that had really never been addressed before and all that. And that's great, but yeah, it's still, it's still going on today. So I, I would, I would hope that they would not remake the sure thing. Yeah, it's one of my favorite parts of Party of One when you decide that that you you and your job at MTV no longer belong together, right? Um, and you and, and you say and you say to yourself like I, I understand that like I love this job and I've and I love the experience I've had here, but I am no longer the right person for it. Exactly. Um, and I think there's a there's a great acknowledgement of of not only getting older but but not but getting older not meaning you know not meaning and now and now I suppose I'm useless mm -hmm. like there, there there's a sense of there's a sense of like everybody's moving on but moving forward at the same time and and I think it's like I 
I I was very moved by that. I was very moved by that because the, oh, the when you when you you're welcome because uh, when, when you write it when you write a book about the 1980s, what you frequently get is people coming to you and saying, "Have you written a book about you know about glory days of the lost civilization?" Uh-huh. Um, and and I just want to say no. I've actually I've actually written about this period of of pop culture history, which I think is really important and significant and and wonderful. And I hope you share it with your, with your children and your grandchildren and they with their friends. And, um, but you know, the, the idea is that, that the idea that I was trying to get across is it is always someone's golden age. Yeah. Um, it is, it is always some, some young person's, you know, time of their life. And, and I think we have to, um, I I would hope in the, you know, that, that, that there's room for all of us in the, in, in the DeLorean going backward and forward in time. Right. Yeah. Somebody's going and seeing their favorite movie right now, you know, and that's that's important. We can't we can't keep looking back. Yeah. Uh, or or I, I think I think, frankly, music is better about this than film is. Um, uh-huh. um, music has a sort of tacit acknowledgement that everybody's band is some every band is someone's favorite band. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, yeah. I just think music is probably lighter on its feet in that in that respect. Good day. Good day. Um, Tell me, is there is there something you've got you've got going on coming up that uh, that that you'd like the listeners to know about? Uh, well, let's see. I got a new podcast called Homophilia on uh, on Earwolf, or it's just uh, it's me and my friend Matt McConkey, who's actually, this, ironically enough, writing on the TV uh, reboot of Heather's. Um, which is, yeah, which is a thing that'll be uh, happening in the next few months. Uh, he's a very funny guy. And we, um, we just invite good, smart LGBT people to, um, you know, sit and, uh, and, and talk about, uh, talk about their lives, talk about what they're, what they're, you know, what they're devouring in the world of pop culture. And then, uh, and then we, uh, we soften them up with that. And then we hit them with, uh, deep questions about their love lives. So that's just oh, that's uh, that has idea. just happened, and we are uh, in the early stages of pitching an adaptation of the '80s chapters of my book, actually, um, as like a TV kind of a, um, a gay '80s wonder years kind of a situation. Oh, so, fantastic! So I mean, you know, we'll we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens there. Do you have a a moment in the short thing that you like to that you, that you use to sell it to others that you use to say, if you've never seen this movie, this is the reason why. Um, you know, oh, golly, I don't know that I do. I just think it's, you know, um, I mean, it, just it's peak John Cusack and, uh, you know, written and directed by Rob Reiner. What more do you need? If I, if I have to, if I have to try to sell you any, any past that I might, I might not be talking to the right person. No. Yeah. That, uh, that's true. Like, like if you think, yeah, if, if you think John Cusack went from, that to better off dead to say anything. Rob Reiner went from that to stand by me to when yeah. Harry met Sally. I, I mean, right. you know, if, if, if you don't think you're at the beginning of it, you know, if you're at the beginning of a, a tailwind, like, <laughs> uh-huh. yeah, I mean, yeah. it's just, it's all the right people. It's a, uh, you know, it's, it's peak, it's peak Zuniga. It's uh it's everything. Mm-hmm. That's true. That's true. Yeah. You think Spaceballs was a step down? I mean, I think Spaceballs was a step down for everyone involved. But that's just me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and 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 we won't talk about we won't talk about the the three season run of Zuniga and Melrose Place. Although. I mean, listen, um, I remember that fondly. But uh, it well, well, we'll call it an early peak Zuniga. She's had she's had more than one peak. Right, right. An initial, a young, a, a very young Zuniga yeah. peak. Yeah. 
Um, Dave, this has been great. I, oh, I thank really, you so much for, really uh, for having me. It was a pleasure. Kids in 80s America is hosted by me, Kevin Smokler, author of Brat Pack America, a love letter to 80s teen movies. It's a project of Rare Bird Books and produced out of Los Angeles by Jake Levins. Executive producers are Tyson Cornell and Julia Callahan. Take good care of yourself. You belong to me.